Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Well, good morning and welcome again to Worship with Lake Forest Church. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time worshiping with us, it's important that you know, wherever you're at on the spiritual spectrum, whether you are cautious, curious, committed, there is a place for you here. And we're so glad that you're with us. You know, if you've been with us for a little while and are thinking about putting down roots in community here at Lake Forest as you grow in your faith, well, we always say the best next step is Welcome 101. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, we tried running this class online. We met three times over the course of a week using Zoom. And if I'm being honest, I wasn't so sure how that was going to play out. But, man, it was awesome. So we're going to do it again. Uh, So if you are interested in finding out more about connecting here at Lake Forest, uh, you could join us. We're going to be starting up June 7th. You will find information and registration at lakeforest.org backslash classes. Uh, Now, as we continue to do all these things in a different way, in an online format, right, we know that there are some who are excited to get back together. I mean, I'm excited to be able to see you all here in person, but right now, We realize that that for the protection of our congregation and our community, uh, that we probably need to continue in online worship. But for those that are ready to gather with other people and worship, we want to be able to resource you, to support you. And so we have put together what we're referring to as home worship gatherings, obviously within NC State guidelines, 10 people inside, 25 out. Uh, But essentially what we want to do is give you a way to gather with others and worship that's more than just sitting socially distant for an hour and staring at a screen. So if you're interested in that, you can go to lakeforest.org, select Huntersville as your community, scroll all the way down, and you'll find a spot that says information on home worship gatherings. Uh, Now, wherever you're worshiping, when we were all here together, whether we're home in just our home or gathering with others, man, this tribe remains unified in powerful ways. Specifically, I see this week in and week out through your generosity and your faithfulness, both with your finances and with your time. And so I want to thank you for giving so consistently throughout this season because it has allowed us to serve the community in all of the ways that we have. So if you are someone who calls Lake Forest home and you'd like to worship God by giving a tithe and offering, you can go to lakeforest.org backslash give, or you can just check out the text to give function info on your screen below me now. You know, another way that I've seen us uh, continue to be unified and faithful is in how you have consistently given to provide food and household resources uh, for Huntington Green. It has been amazing week after week. And next week, we will actually have Pastor Victor Leal, who is the lead pastor of El Buen Samaritano. That is our Spanish-speaking congregation in Huntington Green, who's going to share just a little bit of how that congregation's been doing and how your gifts have made a difference. We've also added a way that you can be generous with your time by partnering with an organization called Medicist. Essentially what this group does is they provide medical equipment and medicine to low-income families here in our state. And so as a tribe, we have partnered with them that every Thursday morning in June, we are going to help sort and pack 
those items. If you want to get involved in that, you can go to lakeforest.org backslash events for more information and registration. Now listen, I, I stand here now as a, as a white man who loves Jesus and is mourning and grieving the loss of the life of George Floyd. Of everything that I see happening in our country this week and the fact that just because it's news doesn't mean it's new. And I go back and forth between anger and heartbreak and frustration because I know I got to do something, but I don't know what to do. And so I'm going to do the only thing I know how, um, and that is to seek God in like-minded community. And so, so every Thursday for the next four weeks at 730 a group of us, there's about 30 of us now, are going to gather on Zoom and, and we are going to look into Scripture and see what it has to say about racial injustice. We are going to, to read current day accounts and articles and most importantly, we are going to reflect honestly with one another and pray. And we are going to trust that God will lead us somewhere. Because wherever he leads, that is where I want to be. So if that sounds like you, you can go to lakeforest.org backslash classes for info on that. And, and before we go further, I need to acknowledge another thing that's happening in our country this week. We've hit a, a milestone, if you can call it that. And, and our country has lost 100,000 people to COVID. Our church family has lost our first family member. Miss Lugini Walker, who's been a part of our family for two decades, lost a battle with COVID this week. And so, so we, along with congregations all around the country, are going to, we are going to stop. And we are going to remember. We're going to name it. We're going to grieve and mourn. And then we're going to go to God. So would you please join me now in a moment of silence? before we go to God. Lord, we remember all those that we have lost. God, we don't just remember the loss, but we remember the joy that they brought to our lives. We, we remember the fact that, that you are a God who is called the comforter. And so, Father, we go to you now for comfort, that you would give us peace in the midst of grief. God, that you would help us to, to find our hope in an eternity with you. And we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit now, you would empower your people to be peacemakers in the midst of suffering. That you would allow us to sit at your feet as your children and know your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, friends. Let's just get on with the message. To mask, this is mine, made by a friend, or not to mask. That's how I intended to begin today's sermon. And I was worried it might be controversial. 
That seems kind of silly now, honestly, after the week we've had. My name is Mike Moses. I'm lead pastor here at Lake Forest Church. Lake Forest Church Huntersville is part of the Lake Forest family of churches. I want to start with God's word, Ephesians 2, verse 13, which we addressed a year ago. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. Let's see if we can put that on screen. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You see the scripture there? We went through this word by word a, a, a year ago. Jesus is our peace. And he's made the two groups. This originally was talking about two different ethnic groups in New Testament times. He's made them one through breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. In light of the unjust murder of George Floyd, the cell phone, cell phone video recording of his slow demise, the fact that there is that video means that white folks like me cannot be in any form of denial this time. Life is different for people of color in this nation, in this fallen world. I was on a Zoom just last week, week and a half ago, with diverse clergy from all over Charlotte. Uh, and it was just hurtful to hear two of my black pastor friends say that in the wake of Ahmaud Arbery's unjust murder in Georgia, also thankfully captured on cell phone, that, that in the wake of that, these two different pastor friends of mine said that in spite of the stay-at-home phase of the pandemic and the need to get out and exercise, they had instructed their, their children, teenagers, their black children, they're strictly not allowed to ride bikes or jog or walk in their own neighborhood in South Charlotte. I wept over that truth nugget from two friends of mine. Because that's a rational decision based on evidence and data that those two pastor friends of mine made that decision as a parent. And many of you at Lake Forest, you have black and brown children, and I can't imagine your consternation as a parent in the face of these realities. And so maybe like you, I've been weeping over our city in the tradition of Jesus, who we're told in Luke 19, 41, says as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it and said, if you, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. So I want to address a few things. As a white Christian man, I'm determined to own up to the racial inequities in our country and doggedly engage in actions toward change. Now, when I've addressed matters of race, always rooted in the gospel and the Bible in the past, some of you have rightly asked me, Mike, it just, does it seem like you don't like white people? <laughs> um, I am white and I like myself the way God tells me to. I'm grateful for my heritage. My people on both sides come from the hills of East Tennessee, the hills of North Alabama. Before that, Scotland, England, and Germany. And I'm thankful for my past. I'm thankful for my people. I'm thankful for who I am. And yet, we must face realities as Christians <laughs> through the Word of God. 
And so as a white Christian, I'm determined to face even further up to the fact of racial inequities in our country, and I want to doggedly engage in actions toward change more than posting my thoughts on social media. Now, just for a second, there may be a couple of you standing up in your living room right now. You may come out of your chair, and you want the conversation to be about personal responsibility of people of color in particular. And I'm going to address an action point regarding the protests, even in our city, at the end of my message, if I ever get there. Thrown it all out and redone the message. But I'm going to address that, the fact that the protests have also become cover for some lawless people to act out. I, I will address that at the end of my message. But I'm asking you, if that's you, to exercise the Holy Spirit's fruit of self-control and not let yourself be triggered to make the conversation about that. Exercise self-control in the Holy Spirit and stay focused on the root issue of Mr. Floyd and Mr. Arbery's death caught on camera. Because the statistical truth regarding personal responsibility is that this, some of us are good at doing the right thing like almost all the time. Some of us don't do the right thing often. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And some of us flat out commit crimes, okay? That's just our tribe, Lake Forest Church and all people. But statistically speaking, being African-American in this country means that whether you do the right thing or the wrong thing, physical harm or financial misfortune will more likely come your way than white folks who do the right thing or the wrong thing. That's just a fact. Living in the greatest nation in the history of the world, the country that we love, the United States of America, but we too are part of this fallen world and must face the sinful aspects of our society with courage and faithfulness. As a white Christian man, I am determined as a friend to people of color to own up to increasingly the racial inequities in our country, to engage my white friends about this, that, that's many of you, and to doggedly engage in actions toward change. And so I'm just going to tell you a few of the things I'm planning to do, hopefully in the power of the Holy Spirit. One, I plan to reprioritize and elevate our, our beautiful partnership. I, I, it feels like I end up keeping this to myself too much. But our partnership with Liberation Church, a predominantly African-American congregation, a church plant led by Byron Davis. Our predominantly white church, we're not solely white, desperately needs this partnership. We need relationships rooted in our commonality in Jesus Christ to help us understand truth, not our preferred white version, but actual truth, the facts of what it is to be black in America, so that we can more skillfully do what Jesus said and keep breaking down the dividing wall through the power of the gospel and love our neighbor as ourself as we each advocate and work to change workplace environments, attitudes of the mind, dynamics on a team at school or a classroom, and our system. Another action step I intend to take is to prioritize more swiftly. We have a five to 10 year goal that Lake Forest Church Huntersville would ethnically reflect the demographics of our surrounding zip codes on Sunday mornings. And I intend to move that up on the priority list. Another thing that, that you're all a part of doing. If you're a contributor at Lake Forest, if you get worship God through your tithes and offerings at Lake Forest, here's something you are about to do. This is super cool, 
And I'm announcing it almost prematurely, but today seems important. Our church planting team of Lake Forest has decided that our next church plant in the Lake Forest family of churches will be intentionally started to be multi-ethnic, likely located in the university area of Charlotte, and we are going to be seeking to hire diverse lead pastors for that next church startup. It will enrich the entire Lake Forest family of churches and the city of Charlotte. I can't wait for that. Another thing that we are doing, we're following Pastor Jeff's lead, and there's this weekly class that he just announced to you on racism in America and how white Christians are called to respond biblically. I'm excited about that. Another thing that I'm doing, um, because I've been a pastor around here for more than 20 years now, um, like you can't get rid of me, this city can't get rid of me, I happen to know a whole lot of pastor colleagues around the county. And over the weekend, I've been working with a handful of other white clergy of larger churches on a statement from white clergy, and we'll invite white community leaders to sign it, that I will, I'll be inviting some of you to sign it if you would like, acknowledging to the African-American clergy and larger community our sorrow, our own anger, Acknowledging our past passivity in the face of racial injustice as white Christians, I'm acknowledging this for myself and our commitment to move forward with actions, not words. That's something I'm privileged to be part of with other clergy in the county. I have another grief factor today. I have a lot of grief factors. I'm, I, it affects me a lot that our ministry partner, Eugenie, um, died of COVID-19 last week. She was dear to me. But I have another grief factor. That's my dear friends and ministry partners here at Lake Forest Church who work in law enforcement. And they had to witness, like us, that video of cold-hearted disregard for life in George Floyd's death. And now it's, it's tempting people to put a stain on the good kingdom of God work my friends in law enforcement do faithfully every day to make our town a great place to live. And so uh, just to you, I'm sorry for how this makes your work harder, but I'm thankful for every member in particular of the Huntersville Police Department who are to a person in my 22 years of experience living here, caring and good-hearted professionals. And so particularly to you ministry partners who I interact with a lot who are on the force here, Brian, Brian, Craig, and Andrew, I'm thankful. I'm really thankful for you today. And I think I understand a little bit of your pain from how I feel when a pastor publicly acts out and defames our entire profession of leading people in the way of Jesus. If there's any analogy there, um, I'm sorry for you. So these are a few things that I'm thinking and doing and praying about. And I know you are too. And we as a congregation are doing to take responsibility for racial inequity in our nation. Why have Christians always been at the forefront of reconciling racial disharmony? They've also been at the caboose end, but they've always been at the forefront. 
Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me read it to you again. Ephesians 2, 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Friends, we've been brought near to God. We were far away from God in our sin. And he's brought us near to God, so we live near to God. Because Jesus himself is our peace, and he has made the two groups. One has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Friends, the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus has reconciled us to God and reconciled person to person. The wall between us has been destroyed by Jesus. We Christians, we white Christians in the racial majority must be those who use our freedom in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to remove block, block, block of the dividing wall of hostility that we humans continue to construct. And it's usually between the majority and minority in any and every society throughout human history. And this race-based inequality is factual in statistics regarding rates of poverty, education, per capita, household wealth, convictions in the court system, death row convictions, etc. And we as a society have built this country with a dividing barrier in the Apostle Paul's words of hostility and we must take responsibility to keep in step with the holy spirit and courageously take that dividing wall of hostility down brick by brick join me as we as a church prioritize this in coming weeks and months and hold me accountable then we don't just talk about it for a minute and move on hey back to something happy and easy can can we just be happy for a moment? This is, this is a real easy one, okay? Um, to wear a mask or not wear a mask in public in a pandemic. Oh, remember? We got that thing going on too. <laughs> a pandemic. Hey, if you're stressed and like worn out, give yourself grace. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The mental health challenges. Okay, I wanna, you're going to find this really interesting, I think. When we asked you, the congregation, thank you for your participation in the survey, helping us make decisions about moving forward. Get my, that one hair back in place. Okay. Somebody text me and tell me if it looks good. When we asked you and the congregation last week in a survey, guess what? Uh, let me put this on the screen. About 50% of you said, should we require, when we regather in person, should we require masks? 44% said yes. The other 57%, or however many that adds up to, said no or not sure. <laughs> Lake Forest, check that out. Sitting there in your little fuzzy slippers drinking your coffee. All y'all, first of all, we're a church that is unified on our mission to love people as they discover and live out their role in God's story. We are a church that's unified on our vision. You can come back to me. One, to love one more person into the faith in our Jerusalem, our Samaria, our Judea, into the ends of the earth. To plant one more church in our Judea, to love one more neighbor in our Samaria. We are unified on mission, vision, and essentials of the faith. More so than maybe any time in our 22-year history. <laughs> but on today's hot question, or it was the hot question, we are equally divided 
a mask as a requirement for regathering in worship or not. <laughs> We're united on the essentials of the faith. Like, God created the world. Humans fell into sin and messed some stuff up. Jesus is God become man to solve our sin and death problem. And Jesus' death and resurrection assures us participation in God's abundant life now through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's new heaven and new earth forever when Jesus returns and makes all things new. We're totally united on those essentials of the faith. <laughs> and yet, I just think it's funny. So do the few people here in the room. We're completely divided on essential of where <laughs> do we wear a mask or not when we return in person. On a serious note, my pastor friends all around the country, uh, I've been in some Zoom network meetings, are, are more or very concerned. Will our church be, will the harmony of our church, of all coming together during this pandemic, will it be torn apart by the mask or no mask and people who need to make a point? We're really worried about that. That's one reason that we're going slow to regather in person. I need to know I can trust you to submit to others' best interests out of reverence for Christ and not have to make a point. We need a little time to be sure we can trust each other. We'll continue to make decisions on regathering in person based on medical counsel, your feedback, and the priority of love for the vulnerable. So what do we do about polarization? One of our staff was waiting in line to get into Pier 1 at Birkdale last week. And it was the six-foot distance line, and half of them were wearing masks, and somebody drove by, yelled at them, This America, take those dang masks off! That's kind of messed up. <laughs> I also saw a video uh, uh, clip of a convenience store. A bunch of people in it wearing a mask, and one person came in without a mask, and everybody yelled at them and shamed them until they left. That ain't right. I've heard from one ministry partner who said, Pastor Mike, I'm beginning to not like the people in my office who are denying the virus is real and deadly. I heard from another ministry partner who told me, I feel like it's passive that we're not yet meeting in person and I'm struggling with is my church being passive. How do we reconcile these two points of view in our congregation, Lake Forest? What do we do about polarization that's flamed by cynical actors external to us for their own political or other purposes? Well, I can't solve it, but I know God's given me a powerful, powerful weapon in my hand and in your hand because of the Holy Spirit. And that's the rest of our message today, which was going to be the whole message, so we'll see how far we go. This is a powerful weapon called kindness. It's something to do, and it is not passive, it is powerful. And so I'm super glad we're in this sermon series, God Within You, the Fruit of the Holy Spirit. And today, we'll deal with kindness. Uh, would you stand, uh, and let's read God's Word, our theme scripture for this series. Would you stand, please? And let's put Galatians 5, on the screen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, 
let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. All right. I got all my little stuff here. Let's dig into kindness for a moment. I got my coffee with me. Would you, uh, you know what my tradition is. Would you get your coffee, you could refill for just a moment, get your little veggie juicer drink thing you healthy people are doing. That's what I heard. And, and on the count of three, let's take a sip together because we're live here one, at whatever time it is, 10.39 a.m. One, two, three. Hey, I've got some doodads from my office. This is a, uh, you remember Jesus uh, commended the widow who put in a mite. That is a coin, a mite dug up in Israel that uh, I got when I was there in Jerusalem a few years back. And I keep it on my desk. Another thing I have, and I don't know if you can uh, focus in. I, for, I forgot to tell you this. This is a picture. I just happened to see this this morning. This picture is the moment I first met Mitch White. Mitch is our executive pastor. This is the day I met him. He was friends with my father in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, and we planned, and I kept hearing about this young man dad just thought was awesome. And we planned a, uh, a weekend trip down to Atlanta to catch a Braves game and hang out. And this is when I met Mitch. It was the spring of 1998. And dude, he and I have been leading this church together for 22 years. It's a rare thing. What a gift Mitch has been and continues to be to me. And I know to so many of you. So Mitch, we appreciate your now 20 years of being a pastor at Lake Forest Church. And I'm grateful for you as my friend my co-laborer in the gospel. Thank you. Well, that's the stuff on my, on my desk today. We'll see what I come up with next week. Kindness. Oh, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Kindness. Kindness is defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Affection, gentleness, warmth, concern, and care are words associated with kindness. While kindness can have a connotation for some as meaning that someone is naive or weak, that is not the case. Psychologically, being kind usually requires courage and strength. Kindness includes being kind to yourself. Do you treat yourself kindly? You hear me every now and then talk about our self-talk. It's one of the ways we either love ourselves or we tear ourselves down. Do you speak gently and kindly to yourself? And take good care of yourself. That's an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit called kindness. Kindness has found by, been found by researchers to be one of the top predictors of satisfaction and stability in a marriage. Married people, have you, have you, have you inventoried your basic kindness toward the person in your house you pledge to love more than anyone else in the world? Like basic kindness it's a major factor in marital success or marital decline when repeated day after day. Colleges, including Harvard, are now emphasizing kindness on their applications for admission. Interesting. Now, we're talking about kindness, and so it's maybe a little ironic to go here, but think about politics. Not too much. I don't want to ruin your Sunday morning because we're all sick of it, but think a little bit. How long has it been since you've heard a politician speak kindly about their opponent? That used to be normal. Can you remember back that long ago before electricity and telephone? No, it actually wasn't that long ago. It was normal. 
to speak kindly even of your opponent. It's exhausting to listen to the political discourse in this country and the polarization that it's engendered in culture, even what you wear and where you eat. And, and, and what polarization sounds like is, hey, this person doesn't just have a bad idea. They don't just have wrong thinking. They are out to destroy America. That's what it sounds like, which is ridiculous. I've had the privilege of knowing some really conservative elected politicians and some really liberal elected politicians. And each of them privately, in unguarded moments, behind closed doors, they love America and they want to serve her people well. So with this kind of polarized attitude of disgust and unkindness every day, here's what's in danger of you and me as a Christian. I'm not talking to other people. If, if you're not yet a Christian, I want you to consider what would it mean to follow Jesus and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, that's who I'm talking to. We are tempted to allow it. It's culturally acceptable now. And therefore, we Christians are, are allowing it to be Christianly acceptable to treat those you, with whom you disagree with unkindness. It's a different kind of pandemic, and it'll be here long after we have a vaccine for the current pan pandemic we're in. This amplifies when we're in groups of like-minded people. When you're with like-minded people talking politics or culture, we tend to revert to an insider language of disgust and disdain and name-calling for people on the other side. This is for real. I'm not making this up. You know it's true. I know it's true. I wrestle with it. You wrestle with it. And when we do that, even with people we, we, dis, we agree with, it normalizes the language. It habituates it, not just to yourself, but to the people you're with. It habituates unkindness, which is anti-Christian and anti-Holy Spirit. There's, it's never okay. And we get habituated when we normalize what the culture says. God's word says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Galatians 5 says, kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's our privilege. It's our honor. It's our responsibility to not go there, even when we're with like-minded people. Because when we speak kindly instead of with disgust or name-calling, even with people with whom we all agree, we are habituating them one way or another. Your influence is massive. Y'all know I'm a Carolina Panthers homer. I'm, I'm, dude, if we don't have football this year, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I just brought up a terrible, horrific thought. That's horrifying. I can't wait to see how the rebuilding year goes. And you know me, I talk trash for the Panthers. I hate their enemies in the sports hatred kind of a way. Some years ago, I got so used to hating on Tom Brady in public and in private and the New England Patriots, and I am a trash talker, by the way. I said something in a sermon that caused a family to leave our church, like because I was so used to expressing disdain or disgust for Tom Brady and the Patriots. It can't, it's just a sports thing, but it came out in a sermon, and I was so unkind in my private talk about him that it came out, and it was, it was ugly when I realized it. And I privately apologized to that family profusely, and they still left the church. <laughs> um, sometimes my job is kind of hard. Um, I tried to repent, 
and only make fun of the patriots in jest these days. Y'all can let me know how I'm doing. Hold me accountable. So is it okay for a Christian? I know, I made a joke about him on Easter. Is it okay for a Christian to talk the style of talk on talk radio and political cable TV shows? Is that okay? The answer is clear. It's no. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is kindness. How should Christians interact with those who disagree with us or are different from us, with those who believe differently than we? We have power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to be countercultural, to be surprising, to almost be shocking. Think about that circle in which you let yourself go and your language go. How shocking would it be for when they're trashing whoever their opponent is they love to trash? You go, you know, they love America too. They just have a different idea. Oh my gosh. How countercultural would that be? That's kindness. You have power. And I want to quote a, a pastor friend of mine who wrote in his sermon on kindness, wrote it this way. Uh, we should be kind to all kinds because God is kind to us. In fact, would you stand where you are and let's say this aloud because then we're going to come back and read Scripture again. We should be kind to all kinds because God is kind to us. Would you say that aloud with me one more time? This is from my friend, Sean. We should be kind to all kinds because God is kind to us. Okay, remain standing, and I want to read you a scripture on kindness from Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Remind the people. This is what I'm doing today, by the way. I'm reminding the people, you the people. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, which is a retranslation of the word kindness there. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Oh, the gospel, friends. So that, why? Having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. Yes, sir, Paul, me and Pastor Titus, we're trying to stress these things. So that those, you ready, who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. The gospel here is telling us the reason to be kind is because God has been kind to us. God. Notice that at verses 4 and 5. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. We are saved by grace, not our own works. And have you ever thought about the fact that that's an evidence that God only, not only loves you, God is kind toward you. 
He loved us, basically, he says, when we were foolish, disobedience, enslaved to our passions, being, hating other people. Uh, basically, when we were jerks, when we were in sin. Now, sin is not just some cute Sunday school word that we bring out during our religious part of our day. Sin is acting against the character of our creator. Sin is acting against the character of our creator, creator in God's direction. The sin of kindness. Sin can be against myself, against others, against the creation, or against a, a group of people. But sin is always a personal offense to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know what sin is? I, I had to get away from just the word itself because I grew up in Sunday school. Yeah, sin. Sin is saying, hey, God, I know you're God and everything. You made everything, and you know everything, and you're good. But when it comes to what I think is best and right in this moment, I'm going to step off your path and follow my own. Sin is, in that moment, spitting in God's face, flipping God off. That's what sin is. Now, God will not be mocked. He has set this universe up so that, as the Bible says, a person will reap what they sow. And there are real-life consequences to sin and existential consequences to sin, including eternal separation from God. If we continue to say in this life and after this life, not thy will be done, God, but my will be done. I will not have you. When we are royal jerks and sinners against God, what is God's response? Does God call us names like liberal snowflake or conservative zombie? <laughs> Does God retreat and just hang out with the, the angels who agree with him and are kind to him? Well, God has set boundaries and will not let our sin change him or change heaven. But within God's boundaries to contain our sin, God shows us kindness, Titus 3 tells us. By pouring out his spirit in us through Christ Jesus, by the washing of regeneration and symbolized by baptism to new life. He does this through Jesus Christ. God's kindness came to us even as we were sinners. He loved us and laid his life down for us. And so God is kind. God shows his kindness to us, washed us clean and put his Holy Spirit in us so that we can therefore act powerfully in kindness. And what does God's kindness require in us? Requires us to be kind. We're a church that, that has always had different views and strongly held opinions on politics, national issues, how to solve racial inequity, etc. But we're a church that's super unified on the essentials of the faith and our mission and vision as a church. And I will protect our unity with every fiber of my being. And kindness toward those with whom we disagree on non-essential matters is one of the most important ways you and I protect unity in our church or whatever church you're a part of. And if you disagree with something here, you can express that to me. Please do. I, 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 it's not a big deal. But do not act unkindly in any way to another sheep of the flock. I'm a shepherd here, and I can handle what you think about race, about protests, masks, but do not act unkindly toward another person in this church over non-essential matters. Or I'll turn from a shepherd to a sheepdog <laughs> in a minute. I love our church. I love you. And we will not let external conformity to cultural patterns 
inflict and invade the unity of this church on our mission to love one more person at a time with the love of God through Jesus. And so we will act and speak kindly to those with whom we disagree in the flock. At this point, I'm going to skip ahead to the end. <laughs> we'll have some Q&A time. You can queue up questions if you want in the Facebook feed or the, there's a text somewhere you can send it to. Um, but but I, I, we needed to address matters that were current. And so I think everyone gets the drift on kindness and it starts first and foremost in the church. If we can't practice it with one another, where can we practice? And so we are to be kind even when people aren't being kind, right? Jesus, God was kind to us by sending Jesus and the Holy Spirit even when we were sinning against him. And so we're kind even when others are unkind. That takes courage. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes being aware of walking in the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe in the Q&A I can tell you a story of that for me where I struggled with it. It was a really interesting dynamic to be kind to someone unkind, who was being unkind to me. Now, kindness, like every other fruit of the Spirit, is not a law or a moral code. It's to flow out of us. As Jesus said, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. That's the Holy Spirit. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so if unkindness is flowing out of you, bro, particularly in the matters that I've been addressing. You need to stop and fill up your spirit, your heart, with God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit and let that start flowing out of your tongue. And I'm speaking to me. I hope you know that as well as I am to you. But we may not excuse ourselves just because it's politics or our national discourse. Why would we excuse ourselves? This is inexcusable for a Christian, for me, to be speaking highly behind closed doors or out front of those with whom I disagree. Let's go to this one more time and say it aloud. We should be kind to all kinds because God is kind to us. You ready? We should be kind to all kinds because God is kind to us. And not just should, you can be by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking every week about different ways to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Now I have one specific action in closing of kindness. I'm going to go back to where I started. This is an act of kindness for, for white Christians in our church. Those of you persons of color, you make up your own thing, okay? Go to a black acquaintance or friend. Ask to understand how they feel about the Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd deaths. Only ask questions. Asking if you understand them. Do not make statements. This is, do, this is not a conversation for a debate. This is purely to say, I just I want to hear what this is like for you and why. The way to help good people who are protesting to have a bit of hope is to demonstrate that you are listening personally, specifically as a white Christian. Law enforcement will deal with the bad actors. That's their job, not mine, not yours, except for the men I mentioned earlier. Exercise self-control of the Holy Spirit and do not talk to your friend, your friend of color, about how you feel about the protests or the bad actors using protests as a cover for lawlessness. Deal with that issue yourself. Connect with a person of color about these two videos and deaths and what it feels like to be a person of color in America. Okay, back to me. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our peace. 
He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility through his death and resurrection. Therefore, you and I are called and enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit to be an agent of his kindness in his way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we reflect for a moment on the class of people, the political party, the candidate or the official or the person we know that we most often speak or act unkindly toward or about in the presence of others. We repent. Your kindness, God, has led us to repentance as Christians and therefore the joy of living life in the Holy Spirit. We repent because of your kindness to us. And we will now exercise kindness in those circumstances through your power, not our own. And may it lead others to repentance as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.